You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Psalm 34, in your Bibles, we're in the middle of a series of messages on the power, and that's a key word in all of this, the power of prayer, the power of praise, and the power of thanksgiving. And hopefully already you've experienced all three of those in this service. You've experienced maybe some of that power in prayer, some of that power in praise, and some of that power that comes when we're thankful for the goodness of God in our lives. In Psalm chapter 34, there are 22 verses. We're going to read eight. Follow along on the screen, in your Bibles, on your laminated card. Let's read it together. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him, they're radiant. Their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and and the Lord heard him. And saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. Delivers them. Oh, taste and see. The Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. What an amazing passage of scripture. What an amazing eight verses. We're going to dive into those eight verses. The first thing we're going to do is just do a really quick background study about the book of Psalms and about this passage. Because the book of Psalms, get this real quick, just learn a few things in five minutes. It's a poetic book. You've got books like the book of Ecclesiastes that is, has some poetry in it. And the book of Job, which is mostly poetry. But then you've got this book of Psalms that is full of poetic truth in order to communicate a literal fact. For instance... You'll find in the book of Psalms a statement that God says, I will, sh- I will shelter you under the shadow of my wings. It's a beautiful statement. Does, does God have wings? No, God, God doesn't have wings. But does God shelter his children? Yes, God shelters his children. And so this here is an illustration of poetic truth that communicates a literal fact. God does take care of his children. Now, the literal word psalms comes from a word that means literally the clanging of the bowstrings or the harp. And, and of course, we're familiar a, a little bit, maybe some of us or all of us, some with David, and he played the harp. And so there is a, a love that David had for the musical instrument. The literal word psalms, uh, rather the book of psalms, is a collection of 150 songs. In fact, one of the things we did at Gospelite for the period of several years was we had, and I'll refer to this later in the message, we had one of our ladies who was playing, they referred to her as his bride for 45 years. She wrote the melody to hundreds of psalms that we would sing in our church because that's what they are. Most of the psalms were written by David and they were used for worship in the temple. So that's a, just a small glimpse overview of the book of Psalms. Now let's look, talk about Psalm 34. Psalm 34 is kind of interesting because you'll notice the setting or the circumstance of this song is actually recorded above the first verse in Psalm 34. Do you see it there? 
Maybe your Bible says something like this. Mine does, and I have it on the screen. It says this. The 34th, I'm sorry, did I not have that up there? The heading of the psalm? The heading of the psalm? There it is. The heading of the psalm of David. This is maybe what your, your, your Bible says. You can look at it if you have your Bibles open or maybe your phones or whatever. You can see this little heading. It says, of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech so that he drove him out and he went away. I do want to apologize because my man Jerry did the right thing. Show that other slide that I, I forgot. All right, there you go. The one, yeah, there it is. The, psalm, the 34th Psalm is an unapologetic call or invitation to the lavish benefits found in Yahweh God. So if I missed that note, you got it now. Thanks, Jerry. You're a good man. So I wanted to give you a little bit of background of Psalm 34. Now, what's interesting here is we find that particular story, the story that you see above the Psalm 34, we find that in 1 Samuel chapter number 20 21. It's referring to a story that happened, and here's kind of the background. Saul was the king of Israel, and David was a mighty warrior, all right? And Saul was a very successful king, but David was even more successful. As a result of this, David became so popular, more popular than Saul, that there was a very popular song written and sung often back in those days, and it kind of goes like this. I don't know the melody, but it was something like this. Saul has slain his thousands, but David has slain his tens of thousands. And oftentimes people would line the streets, and when David would come into a town or a village, they would sing this song because of the mighty warrior David and his incredible success. Well, Saul got extremely jealous of David. And Saul sought to kill David. And Saul ran David out of Jerusalem. And he ran him, and David ran to a little city called Gath. And what's interesting about Gath is, Gath is the hometown of Goliath. And if you know something about the story of David, Goliath is someone kind of closely knit to that story. And it's interesting that David tried to find refuge in this town, and I can tell you it wasn't, there wasn't much refuge there. Let's pick up the story. It's found in 1 Samuel chapter 21. It says this, The servants of Achish said to him, is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing to one uh, another of him in dances? Here's the song again. Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his tens thousands. David took these words to heart. He was much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. Are you following along? Do you see David is still, he's very afraid. He, 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 he's trying to run to shelter, and he's finding more fear. So he changed his behavior before them. This is was David's mechanism to deal with it. He changes his behavior before them, and he pretends to be insane. And he starts scratching his hands against the wall, and spittle begins to fall out of his mouth onto his beard. He's a crazy man. When I was young, I was mugged in Chicago by uh, 10 gang members. And it was a scary moment. I was beat pretty badly. But my daddy taught me, born and raised in a big city called New Orleans, Louisiana. Anybody ever heard of it? And I used to work downtown with my daddy when I was a teenager. My dad would, would tell me when I'd go to the store and get a little Ubix pie and a cream soda. That's what we ate every day. Dad would say, son, be careful out there. A little dangerous on them streets. If you get in any trouble, just remember this, son. Lose control of your emotions. Just go crazy. I don't know if my dad got the idea from David or not. 
But I know it worked for me in Chicago when I lost control of my emotions. It's a long story, but I went crazy and acted like a wild man, and all 10 of those guys took off and saved my life. So I can kind of relate to David just a little bit. I have to tell you the story sometime. There's a lot more details to it than that. So David here, he acts insane. He acts crazy. Look what happens in verse 14. Hs says to his servants, behold, the dude's crazy. This man is mad. Why then have you brought him to me? Do I lack madmen that you have brought this fellow to behave as a madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? So he got free. Look at 1 Samuel 22 verse 1. David departed there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Here's the, here's the moral of the story. God miraculously provided for David a way of escape. And the first time he got alone after that incident, Psalm 34 was, bo- was born. David said in so many words here in this great psalm, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continue to be in my mouth. Boy, that was a close one. Thank you, Jesus. That's how this psalm came to be. So here we are in the midst of this on a Sunday morning, thousands of years later. The key concept to this is the word Yahweh, the word Lord. Again, if you have your Bibles open, you'll notice capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D mentioned 22 times. And then another 12 times, you'll see his or him or his. The theme of this psalm is God himself. God's primary name is the name Yahweh. In the Old Testament, there's three titles for God. One of those titles is Elohim, and we find that over 2,600 times in the Old Testament, but that's just a, a generic name for God. It's, it's a plurality of gods, true gods, false gods, just a generic name for gods. And then there's the name Adonai, and that's not even really a, a, a word. It's a, it's a title. It means master. It's mentioned 336 times in the Bible. But then over 7,000 times in Scripture, you see mentioned The name Yahweh, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, is the primary name referring to God in the Old Testament. Here's the good news, church, and it's kind of cool because I I like my name, Eric. I kind of want you to know my name. God wants us to know his name. God's literal name is Yahweh. He has a personal name. And although we've not heard it or become accustomed to it because of our lack of understanding of the Hebrew language, we should be very comfortable referring to God this way, Yahweh. It's so important in Psalm 34 because it's used 16 times in 22 verses. Now let me give you these thoughts. Five thoughts about the power of praise and the power of worship found in this psalm. Let's look, first of all, to the first three verses with this in mind. I must choose to be a worshiper. It is a decision. We sang a moment ago. Yes, I what? Will. Yes, I will, God. I'll decide to do it. I'll lift you high. God, I will praise. I choose to praise. Verse 1 says, I'll bless the Lord at all times. I will do this. His praise shall, not might, not maybe, it shall continue to be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. In those first three verses, we see six very specific words for worship. Word number one is the word 
bless. Do you see it? I will bless the Lord at all times. Can I tell you something? I think I'm a lot more comfortable with God blessing me. Can I get an amen? God blesses me all the time. God blesses me with health. God blesses me with shelter over my head. God blesses me with family. God has been so good to me. And so I'm very comfortable with God blessing me. But wait a minute. What's up with blessing God? Is this something that we can do? Is this something Scripture speaks about? 35 times in the Bible it says, I will bless the Lord. Sometimes I wonder, what, what, what could I add to God? What could I do that would add to God? And yet, when we worship Him, we bless God. Man, I want in on some of that action. <laughs> That's amazing. I can actually bless God, bless His name. That's what we do when we worship Him. So here it is, number one, bless. I will bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. The second word is the word praise. Do you see it? Look at it. Verse 1. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Now, praise is more than a mere, just a mere compliment. I love compliments. I like to receive compliments. I try to give as many of those to my wife as possible, right? And I'll say, honey, you look nice today. Or, and if I don't, she'll say, you didn't say I look nice today, you know. Honey, you look nice today. And, and that's a nice thing to say. And, and it, it, compliments are a good thing. But this is much more than a compliment. Praise is honor. Praise is showing homage. Praise refers to things beyond the externals. Praise refers to actions. Praise here is referring to the very nature and character of a person. And so I will bless the Lord. His praise his character, his nature, his greatness shall continually be in my mouth. Notice the third word, boast. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Now, I often have thought of the word boast as a bad word. Growing up, my, my mom would say, now don't you brag, son, don't you boast. Nobody likes a bragger, right? Well, just as much as it's wrong to brag on yourself, it's right to boast about God. It's right. You, you can't do it enough. You, you can't overemphasize this. Look with me, if you would, on the screen at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 31. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So, uh, uh, Psalm 20, verse 7. Some boast in chariots, some in horses. But we, we boast, we trust in the name of the Lord, our God. And I love this one, best of all. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord. I'm Yahweh, who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. This is incredible. This is incredible. We can boast in the Lord. We can brag on God. We, we can impact our community. Maybe tomorrow in your workplace at a lunch break or maybe a, an afternoon break, you'll, everybody goes to the workroom, right? And it's a Monday, so everybody's going to kind of be bragging about their exploits of the weekend. Maybe some sexual, immoral uh, escapade they had or maybe a party they attended or maybe a, a, a drunken, uh, you know, 
path they went on. I mean, just all kinds of crazy stuff that a weekend can bring. And all of a sudden, here comes you. What did you do this weekend? I went to church. My pastor preached on boasting in God. We saw four people baptized. We sang and praised and worshiped. It was amazing. You should try it. You say, Pastor? You mean that, that's boasting in God? That's boasting in God, bragging on God, praising God wherever you go. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Listen, God is great. Yahweh is amazing. He's done so much for me, and he'll do the same for you. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. Notice number four, the word glad, and maybe your translation has the word rejoice. In verse two, my soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear it and be glad, or and rejoice. Rejoice is simply an expression of joy. That's what it is. It's expressing joy. Did you know that every person has inside of them a fountain? You say, what are you talking about, Pastor? This is getting a little weird. Hang on. I'm going to give you what Jesus said when he talked about water in the book of 1 John, or rather John chapter 4 in verse 14. You'll see the verse on the screen. Jesus said, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. Now, let me tell you about this water. The water that Jesus gives, it will become in him a spring, a fountain of water welling up to eternal life. This is the water that Jesus gives. Then why aren't more Christ followers welling up with water, with this fountain, and just just exploding about the goodness of God? I'll tell you why. Because of worry. Because of anxiety. Because of fear. Sin, it plugs the fountain of my joy. But when I get reconciled to God, when I get right with God, bubbling up from inside of me is a joy that I cannot contain. I just can't. It bursts forth. When joy is on the heart, rejoicing is on the lips. That's why we sang a moment ago about our lips. His praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. I love that. I know you didn't like the sound of it, but I like it. Amen. His praise will be on my lips. I just, I, I just cannot but praise his name. That fountain inside of me is bubbling up with joy. And then the word magnify. Look at verse number three. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Comes from a Hebrew word that means, get this, here's what it means, great. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. It means important, to expand, to enlarge something. Here's the way that Paul put it in Philippians chapter 1 in verse number 20. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, here it is. A good verse to quote on the day of prayer for the persecuted church. So now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. I want my life to count for God. And I want my life to magnify God in his name. I want it to be all about Jesus. It's the idea of seeing something for its true size. It's understanding the greatness of God, the the immense power of God, the all-sufficiency of God. It's the idea of lifting all of that up. Oh, magnify, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us, what? 
Exalt his name together. That brings us to the sixth word, the word exalt. This is to take something that's low and to make it high. This is to take something that's on a shelf and put it high. This is to take something that's been in the closet and recognize, wait a minute, I've not, I've not been exalting this and I should be exalting this. It's taking it out of the closet. If you walk into my office, one thing you're going to notice, and everybody does, is they say, man, pictures all over the wall of your family, your wife, your kids, your grandkids, they're everywhere. You can't walk. I walked into Kevin's office this morning looking for my space heater. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. I gave it to you. And uh, I wanted to make sure you took it. And I, and I said, man, all Kevin's got all over his office is just family, grandkids and kids and his wife. And he, he has lifted that to a place where it's obviously easy to see it. Well, this man must love his family. I wonder if it's obvious that we love God. Is it obvious? Is it that obvious? Are we exalting his name? Are we magnifying his name? Let's do this together. God belongs in an exalted place in our lives. So let's say these six words together, shall we? Here they are. Oh, yes, thank you. God should be the supreme affection of our hearts. Okay. And then, let's say it together. Ready? Can you say this with me? Bless, praise, boast, glad or rejoice, magnify, and exalt. There you have it. If we could wrap our minds around those six words of praise and show supreme affection for God, church, we're on our way to understanding what worship really is. Because it's all of that, it's all of those six words, and more. And more. Notice it says here, in my mouth. His praise shall continually be, verse 1, in my mouth. This speaks of consciously making a decision to worship, because that's what it is. Worship is a choice. I think my favorite word in all of this psalm is a two-letter word found in verse 3. Tell me if you can recognize it. Anybody see it? (laughs) That's my favorite word. I added a few H's. That's just the literal Hebrew translation of the word O. The literal translation is this. Oh! It's amazing! I wish you could get this. Oh, it's so good. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Oh, are you getting the picture yet? And I'm not exaggerating to make a point. This is the point. The point is this is how great our God is. Oh, that we could break free from our personality limitations and our cultural biases and our religious backgrounds and that we might just praise his name you know we've been on a journey for years and i look at how god has brought our church this far in this in this thing of praise and worship and i remember those early days where 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 we 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 were just a hymn singing church which was great i loved it love lifted me remember those days love lifted me it was good we had a little movement there nice movement you know, it was accepted in the church back then just to do this. And uh, sometimes we would have a, a sing a, a, a song and there might be a little excitement. It was great. I loved it when we sang the hymns. I remember those days. I sang them loud. In fact, I got kicked out of the choir for singing hymns too loud. True story. That's not a, that, that's a true story. 
pastor, you're singing too loud. It's, you're, you're drowning out all the other people. I think your days are over in the choir. And I was kicked out in this church. I'm still bitter. Anyway, and, uh, but I remember when I went to uh, Sonia, and I said, Sonia, you know, I'd love, to, I'd love to grow a little bit in our worship. And we've been singing these same hymns every Sunday. And I wonder if you could write, because I don't want to shock our church with some of this, because I know it's different everywhere. By the way, if we could see the world worship, we'd, whew, we'd, 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 we'd get with it, church. I'm telling you. There's all, all kinds of different expressions of worships around the world. But we were so traditional, so we said, Sonia, could you write some melodies to the Psalms? And, and I said, maybe our church will like that. And we did. We started singing these psalm songs. Do you know the first psalm melody that Sonia wrote was Psalm 34? The first one she ever wrote was this one. And we sang it in church. And all of a sudden, we started singing the psalms. And then I remember the first time we sang, Shout to the Lord, all the earth. I, th- I was so proud. I thought, we're singing praise and worship. Somebody said, that's 20 years old. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I, thought, I thought we were catching up, you know. But you know what's exciting is, we've been on this journey, all of it's good. Man, I love the hymns, I love the psalms, I love the praise and worship, I love it all. I just want to say this, this journey has been amazing that you and I have been on together. We're learning to exalt the name of the Lord our God. Number two, worship is for all times. I don't know that there's any point more important than this one in the message. See that in verse number one? Worship is for all times times. Those are victorious words. Now, this is critical. We must understand that worship is not just for the good times. It's for the bad times. Worship is not just, worshiping God is not just when I feel like it. It's when I don't feel like it. And until you understand this, you will never really understand true worship. Man, I tell you, when you've been somewhere 29 years, you look out in the auditorium and you, you, you see some of the valleys we've been through together. I, I look at Jamie and I remember when your husband Rick passed away at a very young age in his 40s. Had a tumor in his brain and it was a very quick death. And it went, we couldn't figure it out and going to specialists. And it just, it just went so fast and Rick was gone. Of course, I always like to say this, and God brought Ken and a a wonderful husband, and I love you, Ken, and thank you for letting me tell this story, and Ken's so good about this, but I remember how how hard that was, Jamie, but I also remember his homegoing was a celebration. We knew where Rick was. We got to live out our faith that day to those that came to that service, and they got to see a people who don't sorrow as others sorrow because we have a God who's given us the hope of heaven. And I remember when Abraham Rubio died at the age of 40 of cancer. And that precious little man with three beautiful little children who've now grown up in our church. And we celebrated Allie's birthday this week. It was just wonderful. And every time I see those kids and and Karina, I think of Abraham and how difficult that season was. But we we didn't have a funeral. We had a homegoing service. We celebrated his life. And then so many others, whether it had been Cliff Kaufman or Chris Carney or, or, or Mark Brown or Nancy Moore. I mean, I could go on and on. I looked in a file of all the funerals I've done. Since I've been pastor of this church, it's a really thick file. But I can tell you this, that funerals are a little different at Gospelite because we have the hope of heaven. And God is in control and he gives life. He takes life away. We can bless the name of the Lord. It's different, isn't it? Maybe it's shocking to someone here. But I can tell you, 
Worship is for all times. Children of God are called to bless the Lord when I'm seeing his goodness and when I'm not seeing his goodness. When the future is bright and sunny and when it's cloudy and uncertain. When the presence is so real that I could just reach out and touch God and when he seems so far away that I don't even know if he cares anymore. The writer of Hebrews said in chapter 13, verse number 15, through him let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. And Job, who lost everything but lived to see the Lord's justice and goodness, said in Job 13, 15, though he slay me, I will hope in him. And then David in Psalm chapter 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. Number three, worship is a witness to others. Worship is a witness to others. Look at verse 2 again. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Worship is a witness to others. Who are the humble here? Well, the humble are those who thought they were okay, but now they acknowledge, I'm not okay. And I need God. And in fact, we saw four people today baptized who all admitted, I'm not okay. I can't make it on my own. I can't go to heaven on my own good works. I need God. That's a humble person. They realize they can't do this on their own. And people are watching us. But they're most watching us when we go through difficult times. That's when they're really watching us. And and when we go through a difficult time and and God doesn't make a difference in our lives, what about the testimony that that may send? Listen, we must not let criticism and complaining and doubt and discouragement flow from our lips in those difficult days, but we must find a way to praise, continually praise God in those times. I told this morning, I remember... In 29 years of pastoring, just before you think that's all that hot, trust me, the, 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 the average tenure of a pastor is 2.3 years, two years and three months. I've been here 29 years, but I can understand why it's two years and three months. <laughs> Not because of you, because of me. Man, there are so many highs and lows, and you just, you really get disillusioned. Sometimes I'll be honest. I, it's not on you. It's on me. I, I've had my struggles and my times where I've just not been, and in, 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 in I've been in a tough time. I've needed my wife to say, honey, you know, don't quit. Keep going. And, and so through these years, I'm just thankful that here I am 29 years later. And not because of me, but because I can't make it without God. And I'm a testimony of that. 29 years here is not because, wow, that, that, that dude's really you know, done a great, no, 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 listen, I am a mess. I am, I am only here today because of the grace of God. Somehow he has sustained me through difficult days. Remember Dave Chittam, uh, the man that spoke up here, he's an elder in our church, and I remember he told me uh, about 25 years in, about four years ago, he said, uh, he said, man, I'm, I'm, I'll be honest. He goes, I'm surprised you're still here. And I said, wow, I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I just honestly preach. He says, I just sometimes, when, when I think about all that, you know, we, we, we've been through at the church, you've been, he goes, when I think about the, the difficult days, the difficult seasons, when I think about those times, I think, you know what? If preacher can stay, I can stay. And I'm grateful for those that have stuck it out and stayed. 
And I say all that just to say, the humble shall hear it and be glad. This church can be a testimony to this community because we are humble. And we want this world to see that God has made a difference in our lives. Worship is a witness to others. And then number four, worship is a team activity. Our worship pastor preached last week, and he referred to this a little bit as that we worship together. It's a team sport. I like team sports. I don't like individual sports. I like baseball, guys. You know, nine guys on the field, everybody working together. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. You know, I'm not much of a double uh, tennis guy, you know, or uh, uh, I mean, I guess, you know, I, I don't golf much. I don't want to criticize other sports because I know they're good, but I'm not a solo guy. I like, I like, I like a team sport. That's my favorite sports is team sports. And I tell you what, you talk about a team, a team activity, Sunday mornings in this worship center, everybody's singing out loud. It's awesome. I can tell you this. Jordan has told me several times in our meetings, he says, man, I just love listening to our church family sing. Sometimes Jordan says, I just step back from the mic and just listen because it's so beautiful when everybody is singing together. That's what it means when it says, let us exalt his name together. And then number five, and in closing, I have good reason to be a worshiper. Can I give you some reasons why I'm a worshiper? The same reasons why David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes us boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us rejoice his name together. What did he mean by that? Well, number one, here's the reason the Lord answers prayer. Look, if you would, please, at verse 4. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. Has anybody ever just, just laid your heart open before God and just said, God, I, I've got to have an answer, and God gave you that answer? It's amazing. I told the story this morning, and I asked Tiffany if I could tell it, my daughter-in-law, because it's really a personal story, because when Joe and Tiffany first started kind of having a little, you know, flicker of, you know, the, the flame first lit. Uh, I'll be honest, I was against it, because, not because of Tiffany, but just because, you know, she had, her husband had just died in this car accident. She had, you know, two children. She was about seven or eight years older, and I'm thinking, man, I don't want this for my son. You know, this is, this is too much for him. He's just 24 years old, and man, I don't, I don't, I don't think he could handle this, and, and I just, she needs to back off, and I mean, I was, I was a mess. I was a mess, and so, would you rather me just be transparent or tell you, the, you know, just the good part? Can I tell you the, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly? So, I remember going home, honey, and, and I, I told Tiffany and Joe, I said, just pray for me. I can't, I can't I'm, I'm just not, I can't get there. And so, we would go home and get on our face and just beg God and pray, Father, give us a peace. We can tell they love each other. We, I, I, just, I, I just can't get there. I don't see this. And so I'm praying and, and just really crying out to God. And then Joe tells me, Dad, and Tiffany did too. She goes, we, we're, we're not going to get married until we have your blessing. We, we want you to have a peace. We're praying for you. Man, I couldn't believe it. And then Joe says, Dad, the Bible says that pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. To visit the fatherless and the widows and their affliction. Dad, she's both. She's got fatherless children and she's a widow. Dad, let me be a good Christian. And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> why, why, do you have to, why do you have to throw Bible into it? You know? Man, I tell you what, God broke us. 
got. And I'm going to tell you today, I am, I, I had the best time doing that wedding. I'm their biggest fan. I'm in their corner. I get the baggage that comes with that. It's hard. It's difficult. But I, I believe with all of my heart that God did that. And it was an answer to prayer. That was a moment. Of, and I just shared an intimate moment with you to let you know those are real. And they are often in my life. Where I just, I have to go to God that way. That's why I worship. That's why I worship like I worship. Because God has answered those kind of prayers in my life. And then number two, notice it says, the Lord delivers from fear. In verse four, I sought the Lord, he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. I wonder how many here this morning know what it's like to be filled with fear. Just filled with anxiety about the future. What's gonna happen what, what, you know, what's going to happen to our world and, and, and to our country or to our community or to our health? Or I just don't know what to do. Our finances and we worry and we have this fear and we live in these difficult days. But I want you to know the Lord delivers us from that. And as he delivers us from those fears and we have this peace that passes all understanding, amen, we come to church. And not just church. I say that because I'm here. But we can praise him continually. And then the Lord delivers from shame. Look at verse 5. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. Yahweh God removes our shame. See, anybody know what it likes to look in the mirror and feel shame? You know, I've pastored for 29 years here, and I'm going to be honest. I've seen the face of a young lady with shame. I've seen the face of a young man with shame. I've seen the face of a... Of a man, Jeff, where you at, Jeff, Taylor, Jeff here? Jeff, I've seen him walk into Gethsemane House. That first week I do the devotions, shame. But can I tell you something? Then they meet the Lord. They experience his grace, his love, love of other believers around them. And all of a sudden the shame rolls away and God removes that shame And all of a sudden, their face is the teenage girl who had shame from a mistake she had made. Now, has experienced the love of Christ and his grace in her life and the love of others around her. And her face becomes radiant again. This is what our God does. He restores. He heals. He removes our shame. I proclaim to you this morning a God who loves you. And he'll wipe away your shame. And return to your face a radiance. And then four, the Lord delivers from trouble. Look at verse six. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. I love that. David just says, this poor man right here, this guy right here. By the way, church, that's why I don't mind telling you my story. Because David did. This poor man. That's right. Your preacher. I've had troubles. Lots of them. And you have too. Amen. Man's days are full of troubles, right? I've had troubles this week. I've had troubles yesterday. I mean, there's just things that happen. And it, life, sometimes they're little itty-bitty troubles. Sometimes they're big troubles. They're just a lot of troubles. But can I tell you something? One after the other, the Lord delivers me from those troubles. He, he rescues me. Just the day-to-day troubles. This guy right here is constantly being rescued out of trouble from my wonderful, awesome God, Yahweh. And I worship him. And then finally, the Lord protects his own. Look at verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Isn't that cool? 
Hey, can I get an amen for the angel of the Lord? (laughs) A messenger sent by God to give messages to people on earth? The angel appeared to Hagar. The angel appeared to Abraham. The angel appeared to Jacob. The angel appeared to uh, Moses. The angel appeared to Gideon. And sometimes it seems like the angel of the Lord is Jesus himself. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14 says, Are they not all, are they not all angels, ministering spirits, sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Who are those? That's those of us who have repented and believed in the name of God, on the name of Jesus. That's us. Thank God for these angels. I needed them yesterday. I I got in the bus yesterday at 8 o'clock. I drove six hours to Oklahoma City. I stayed three hours in Oklahoma City with them champion Tigers, and I drove, somehow it took seven hours to get home. About midnight, my son Ezekiel, he walks up to the front of the bus. You awake, Dad? <laughs> you okay, Dad? You going to make it? I'm like, I'm glad somebody cares, you know. I'm up here struggling, kicking my leave, do that, you know. I'm kicking my, don't get scared. I was okay. We didn't go up, but I'm staying awake. I'm eating sunflower seeds, you know. And we made it fine, and I, I never dozed off. But I tell you, I believe with all my heart, God encamped a few angels around that bus. Sure he did. I think every trip I take, God's got some angels watching over me. Amen. Is that okay? I just believe, hey, the angel of the Lord encamps around those. I love that. Who fear him, who respect him, who give him his rightful place. And so church, this morning, I invite you to step into this amazing grace that we've been preaching about. Step into it. These green pastures of a commitment to say, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Join me in that. And and the little homework assignment I have for you, that, that laminated card you got, here's my challenge. There's about 60 days left in the year. 55. Why don't we try to memorize that passage by the end of the year? Wouldn't it be cool if our church family could learn those eight verses together? Jordan's always quoting scripture, and I love it. We worship with scripture here. I think it'd just be cool one day to put Psalm 34 verses 1 through 8 up there, and I don't have to look at the screen. It's embedded in my heart so that throughout the day, I can remind myself, I will bless the Lord. At all times, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Take that challenge and pray about that. And if you need to respond this morning at the altar or in your seat or standing and worshiping, or you need to come forward and talk to a pastor, you respond as the Holy Spirit has instructed you in your heart. Let's let's pray, shall we? Father, I love you. I thank you for this day and this beautiful crowd and this amazing service, Lord, filled with the baptisms and the music and the prayer. And God, I can't wait till tonight, five o'clock at our homes when we partake of the Lord's Supper. What a, what a day. Two ordinances that you gave us, and both of them we get to experience together as a church family. God, may you move in this worship time, and may we together take a moment 
to have praise on our lips this morning, this right now, as we stand and sing. In Jesus' name, amen.